Welcome to Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding for your business. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and today I'm joined by Leslie Agassim to discuss hard money loans and their place in real estate lending. Les is the president of Trevor Cole Commercial Company, which is a structured finance company. He has over 30 years experience in the industry, which makes him particularly well suited for this conversation on the spectrum of hard money loans. In this episode, Les will go over the different types of hard money loans and how a loan should be suited to match the business owner's needs. We have with us today, Leslie Agason, president of Trevor Cole Commercial of Connecticut, a structured finance company. I've invited Les to be our guest today because he brings a unique set of experience that I believe qualifies him to shed some valuable insight into the topic of hard money and private money loans and where they fit in the spectrum of financing for small businesses. Les began his career in public accounting. Uh, then he was a securities licensed broker dealer for most of the last 40 years, and he's been in the lending industry uh, through Trevor Cole Commercial for the past 30 years. So I'm excited to, to learn together with you from Mr. Agassim today. Les, thank you for taking the time to join us. Byron, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and uh, yeah, I look forward to a good session together. Uh, just to give Absolutely. you a little background yeah. of uh, my, myself and the company, uh, basically, as you mentioned, we were in securities for approximately about 37 of the last 40 years. We resigned in good standing with FINRA and the SEC uh, to devote full time to our lending business. Actually got into the lending business by a fluke when a guy uh, basically came to our office and wanted a loan. We explained we don't lend money. We only invest for high net worth people. Go away. And somehow he didn't go away. Uh, we ended up lending him the money and he uh, got into the private money lending business. And have done that for about 30 years. Uh, we're currently the number one closer of loans on the largest commercial internet website. That site has 750 other companies. We're number one. Last year or so, we've closed about $100 million. Uh, we did a $33 million Mandarin Oriental loan, did a $38 million uh, portfolio of land in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of been keeping us busy for the last uh, year or so. In terms of um, the lending business, in 2012, our model actually changed. So prior to that, we used to put together limited and general partnerships to put money together and put the money out. In 2012, money had dried up during uh, you know, the previous pandemic, let's call it the financial pandemic, and uh, a lot of our money had dried up as well. At that point, we were getting in 300 loans a week and we were closing one loan a quarter. And we said, we better do something quick or we're not gonna be around to talk about it. And we did. We took all 300 uh, loans in, we either closed and sold, securitized, laid it off, whatever it took to get the deal done. It was probably the best move we ever made. And that's really why we're number one today, because unlike most people, we will secondary market the paper in many different ways. And that's a little bit of our background. Excellent, wonderful. Well. I'm, I'm excited for you to share your experience uh, as extensive as, as it is with our audience. So thank you. So our topic is the case for hard money or private lending in real estate. So talk to us. Tell us a little bit about what is hard money or private lending in real estate. So private money differs a little bit from bank loans. Basically, private money can be anywhere from one individual just lending the money 
to you know small companies, corporations, and the like. But basically, it's not a depositor putting money in an institution and then getting money from that, which certainly in the past most people are familiar with, and it was a more traditional way certainly to get your home loans and things like that. Uh, the good news about private money, because it's much more entrepreneurial than the bank, it's quicker close. It's easier to obtain. In most cases, it's collateral base where the banks are very strict in most cases with credit and most cases it's cash flow. So basically the, you know, the private money or hard money lending business is based on collateral, you know, almost like the old pawn shop. You give me a Rolex watch, that's the collateral. It's worth $10,000. You leave. Uh, if you, you never come back, uh, we sell the Rolex. We get the $5,000 for it. We get our money back because we only loaned you, in that case, a third of what the value was. So it's very, very similar to that, uh, where, again, it's collateral-based. And that kind of is the big differentiation between that and, uh, let's say, the, uh, the typical uh, bank-type loans. So there's a spectrum of lending from bank loans on one side to true hard money that's only collateral based on the other side. And and there's lenders somewhere in between there as well, right? So so if, if you could maybe talk to that as far as what some of those variations, the different types of private money lending might be. Okay. Very, very good question. So you know, basically, uh, private money can be anywhere from one individual just loaning a friend money. That's a, that's a private loan to a full plethora, let's say, of, of other type of organizations. And what I mean by that, there's many small companies around the United States that actually specialize in private or hard money lending. They're family offices. You know, guy basically, uh, you know, has a company and he has a pension plan, for lack of a better word. He might segment a small portion of his pension plan to, to make private loans because he can get a higher yield for that pension plan. Insurance companies, very similar to American Savings Life, do private loans at different levels. There's hedge funds that all, also make private loans. So there, there's really a full gamut. It used to be an industry where individuals or small companies did it, but now it's really opened up to a huge amount of people around the United States. Now, within that segment, there are what I call different type of lenders. So there's lenders, what I call loan-to-own people. These would be people that make a loan in the hopes that people default so they actually can take over the property and it's a different way of buying real estate to the other side of the coin where people are not going to make any loans whatsoever unless it's almost like bank quality, uh, but maybe they can do it a little quicker and therefore they'll, they'll do it. Now, in terms of, let's say, within the spectrum, uh, I'm going to put it into three categories. Category one would be the competition for the banks. The banks right now are somewhere around high fives, 6%, maybe even 7% as far as their rates go. I would say to you that that would be category number one. Category number two would be the hard, hard money guys. I call it the, you know, the, the look like and lend people, where they basically do it at high yields from 10 to 12%. They do it quickly within a couple of weeks. And again, in most cases, they're very collateral based. And then there's the middle category. I would call them the soft hard money. And they're in the sevens and the eights. Again, they're not going to be as difficult as the banks. And by the same token, it's a good place to go to uh, get loans, which will be a lot easier to close in the bank and a lot quicker. Let's say a bank loan might take 60 days, at least commercial loans, probably 30 for residential. The middle category I just mentioned, they're probably about 30 to 40 days. And the, uh, the private category, somewhere around three to four weeks. So that's kind of a little bit of an idea. Uh, hopefully that answers, Byron, your question of what you're asking. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you've done a great job explaining kind of the, the spectrum of private lenders. What other alternative funding sources might there be for a small business owner? If they don't qualify for a bank loan, what other options perhaps besides private money might there be? So look, some of the other options, you know, for getting capital are obviously home equity loans, where as opposed to going to a lending company, they might have equity in their home. So the home equity loans are extremely competitively priced right now. And that certainly would be one area to get money. Another area to get money would be family and friends. Who better than people who know you well? It's probably the easiest way to get money because they know you. They have a feel of who you are as a human being. And, you know, based on that, they, they might be inclined to give someone money. A third area would be credit cards, where many people just are borrowing off their credit cards. And although it's an expensive uh, way to go, it certainly is, is an, another way to go. A fourth area that has cropped up in recent years are what we call merchant cash advances, and what that is, is a, a lot of uh, small businesses have tough getting access to capital. So these are uncollateralized loans based on the revenues of a company. You can generally get the loans within two or three business days. That's the good news. The bad news is they're extremely expensive, uh, anywhere up to 30, 40, and even 50%, what they call APRs over your year's period of time. But the good news is if you have money, if you have merchandise sitting on a dock, and you have to bring it in, you're going to sell it for double the, the amount that you're bringing it in for. Might be smart to take one of those loans because you're making so much money on uh, your money that uh, you don't have uh, things lying around the docks and can get stolen, lost or whatever, and you're not going to make profits on them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Those are great, great examples. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned, used the phrase, the capital stack. And would you mind sharing with our listeners what what that means and how that's important to a business owner? Okay. So the capital stack primarily is used in commercial loans. That would be number one. And commercial loans I define as loans against multifamily properties, office buildings, retail, uh, shopping centers, and, and on and on along those, those lines. So what happens is when you're looking to build a shopping center, you're looking to build an office, you're looking to build some of the items I just mentioned, there's what is called a capital stack, especially as the loans get larger, because no one individual generally is in a position to come in with, for example, if it was a $100 million loan, even the, the richest of the rich do not have 50 million of their own money, let's say, to, to want to risk in one, one project. So what they do is they spread the risks. So traditionally, what will happen is that the entrepreneur might come in with 10 or 15% of the capital himself. So on a $100 million transaction, that would be $10 million. And then he developed a capital stack. Now, a capital stack might be, so he's what is called the equity. Then there's what they call limited partnership equity. So he might go out, put a group together to complement what he's done. It might be another 10 or $15 million. And they, these are limited partners where basically he's taking the risk of any sort of guarantees or mortgages or whatever else he's signing in for. They are just money people who want to get a return on their money higher than what the local bank's willing to offer. So that's what we call limited partners. Another part of the capital stack might be the debt itself. So the debt would be a bank, an insurance company, a private lender, and those are people who would make it a certain percentage loan to value, 50%, 75%, 80% loan to value or loan to the project costs. They would be part of the capital stack as well. And two other parts of the capital stack would be 
something called mezzanine financing and another uh, instrument called preferred equity. The way these work, these are not second mortgages. They don't go beyond the first mortgage. They are liens on the company that is actually borrowing the money. So it's almost like if there was a default, they wouldn't come behind the bank. They would actually become the owners of the corporation itself. And they, in turn, would have to deal with the bank. And this is called mezzanine financing and preferred equity. And you add it all up. This is how these type of transactions are done because of the fact that you put different groups of capital together to, to basically form the basis of building the project. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the place of the business owner that's exploring these various options that you've just talked about. You know, there's, it's not just uh, different lenders that might have different loan programs, but it's actually what's the best way to structure the funding through equity or debt or some combination of the two of them, right? And depending on how large the project, uh, how complicated you want you want to, it to get, and and how you know how attractive it might be to some of these investors, you really have a lot of options to consider. How do you recommend? business owners explore that? Who should they be talking to, to understand those options for their specific situation? Well, again, most entrepreneurs are extremely good at their business and that's why they're successful, but not necessarily in the finance business. It's a kind of a weird dichotomy where people can be very sophisticated, very good at what they do, but a lot of what we're discussing today is very specialized and it's not what necessarily people understand. Lending looks like a very easy business. Lend me money, I'll pay you back, and it all seems easy. But there's actually a lot more that goes into it than just making a loan. And I just described some of it. So it's actually somewhat of a very difficult business, a sophisticated business. And needless to say, every lender in the world is going in for one reason, to protect their money and not lose it. And therefore, again, you know, on the lending side, you have to be careful. On the entrepreneur side, you obviously need capital. That's where you're coming for the money. So, you know, I think the best bet is to, to refer them to a sophisticated investment banking type who can put these capital stack together for them because every Tom, Dick, and Harry just can't. Just like every person can't run a sports team or can't run a pizzeria or whatever it might be, uh, take someone who's uh, training and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Also, one last thing in the world in right now, it used to be, or in the old world, it used to be that the anvil salesman, the assistant, would work for 10 years to get to the point where he maybe become the anvil guy. In the world we're right in, a guy could be in retail, and the next minute he's in the mortgage business. So everything is instantaneous. So again, it's very tough to accomplish a little bit of what we're talking today. You really need sophisticated, trained people. At the end of the conversation, I'll give you a little bit of more insight into that, but I think it's the best way to describe it to you. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. So Les, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned uh, there are different types of lenders, but there's also different types of loan programs, right? Uh, for example, when we were talking earlier, you were mentioning the differences between adjustable rate mortgages versus fixed rate mortgages and uh, and different uh, durations of loans. So could you talk to what what could a business owner expect the options he's going to be seeing or should be expecting to see uh, to consider what loan would be best for them? So Byron, let me add to what you just said in one way. So you were talking about business owners. 
So there are actually two types of loans that are done. One is a business loan, which is a loan to a business, possibly collateralized by equipment, real estate, and the like. The other would be a loan against the building. Now, the building could be owned by the business owner, but there are actually two ways to go about it. So I just want to point that out to the audience that um, many people become the owners of the real estate themselves, and then they rent to their business. Other businesses take the loan themselves, and it's the cash flow from the business that's going to service the debt as opposed to rental income. So I hope it's not too confusing to the group, but I just want to point that out. So now in terms of uh, different types of loans and the like, yes, there are. There's what we call adjustable rate loans, which mean that uh, the rate adjusts as prime changes or as LIBOR changes. Others are called fixed rate loans. Now, interesting enough, most private loans are fixed rate. So for example, you might have a private loan at 10% interest, that's interest only. And so on a $100,000 loan, you'd be paying $10,000 a year of interest. You might have a bank loan that's at 8% interest, that's advertising for 25 years, and you're then paying principal and interest as you're paying it back, even if it's only two or three or four year loan. So it could actually cost more for that 8% loan than it is for the 10% private loan. Why? Because it's interest only. Secondly, many of the bank loans are based on prime. So as prime goes up, those loans go up. So you might find during the middle of the loan, rates going up. So sometimes private loans actually might be a better solution than a bank loan that seems better to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. We're we're in interesting times right now with regard to interest rates. And so it kind of mixes up a little bit conventional thinking as far as how, how perhaps different uh, loan types are attractive or what their different strengths and weaknesses are. And, and right now with, with Fed raising rates like they are, it makes those adjustable rate mortgages a lot less attractive than they were <laughs> just a year ago. It's what I've actually said to you previously. What's happened is now that rates have been hiked a couple of times, you go to the SBA and most SBA lenders are about two over prime with the prime rate at five and a half percent. You're talking about a seven and a half percent rate. There are private lenders out there today that are doing eight and a half and eight and nine percent rates. They're fixed. The SBA loan is adjustable. In most cases. So at the end of the day, again, you don't know, you're not even locked in. So there you go, where a governmental loan could be even more expensive than a private loan. So you are 100% right. Times have radically changed. And I think there are a lot more alternatives for people. And again, one last thing, it's certainly a lot easier to take a private loan than it would be uh, an SBA loan or a loan of that type. But I must say this, that there's a big misnomer about the SBA. Most people think the SBA is impossible to deal with or whatever. If you know your way around the SBA, they're not impossible to deal with. Very good loans to take, et cetera. But, uh, you know, again, you have to know what you're doing. But uh, SBA certainly is a good alternative for small businesses. For sure. Right. They require less down, which is a big, a big benefit for them. Um, one other factor that I think is interesting that plays into you know, comparing private money loans with more traditional or more conventional bank loans, perhaps, uh, would be prepayment penalties, right? Sometimes your SBA loans or other bank loans will have some longer prepayment penalties, even with an adjustable rate. So you're kind of stuck with those higher adjustable rates because they have a penalty, whereas some of your private money loans 
may not have prepayment penalties or may have much shorter prepayment penalties. On the flip side, there is something, the downside of some private money mortgages is they're generally shorter term. So you have a little bit more risk that that I know we, we saw this happen back in the Great Recession, where when there was the credit crunch and the credit crisis and the, the subprime mortgage meltdown and then the mortgage meltdown, right? It just kind of cascaded into, into bigger and bigger things. And, and we saw that people had adjustable rate mortgages or that they had balloon, short, short-term loans with balloon payments, and they went to go re- expecting to refinance. And there wasn't refinance available. The equity wasn't there in the property anymore, uh, or the bank wasn't lending and, and no one was interested in refinancing that loan. And then they were stuck with a balloon payment due that they couldn't refinance out of. And that's certainly something to be considering when you're considering the term of the loan as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Just had the pandemic. So a lot of people that had short-term loans found themselves having uh, financial difficulties because they couldn't open their businesses and uh, their loans are coming due. So at the end of the day, there is certainly something to be said for long-term loans. There's no doubt about it. But again, as you're pointing out, a long-term loan in most cases will have a prepayment penalty. The SBA is a good example. Generally, they have a step-down, what is called a step-down prepayment penalty, many times five, four, three, two, one. 5% penalty the first year, 4% the second, three, two, one. So that means over five years of period, if you wanted to get out, you'd have to be paying a penalty. So a lot of you know thinking has to be, am I looking for short term just to get me from point A to point B, or am I looking for a permanent loan? So I think very good to be said about permanent loans. Conversely, uh, bridge loans or private loans many times are where you want to be because you only want a short-term loan because I'm making this up that your property is only 25% occupied. You're not going to qualify for the bank yet. The bridge loan basically gets you enough time of a couple of years to tenant your building up. It's fully occupied. Now you can go to the local bank and get a long-term loan at much, much better rates, you know, that type of thing. Right. And that... That is exactly one of the key reasons where a hard money loan or a private money loan makes a lot of sense is, is in that bridge loan situation. The one version of that that we've all heard of and seen TV shows about are fix and flip uh, investors, right? That are fixing up a, a residential property and, and they'll use a short-term loan to finance that and then they'll fix it up and then they can sell it or, or else lease it out and get a long-term loan on it. And, uh, and they do that in the commercial space quite a, quite a bit as well. But it might be more, like you said, for leasing up a property or, or buying a property that needs rehab or a combination of the two. You got to update the property so that you can then raise rents and, and bring rents up to market, perhaps, things like that. that uh, it's, it's too early for prime time lending. So you use that bridge loan to cover that gap and get you to where you, you now can qualify for. Well, uh, certainly for uh, what I call the fix and flippers, you, you mentioned them. Private money is just naturally good because at the end of the day, they're buying a property for $100,000. They've got $30,000 to fix up. At the end, the property's going to be worth 250000 So they just more or less doubled their investment. And it's all going to be done within a year period of time or something along those lines. So what better, even if you paid a 1% or 2 or 3% more in interest rate, than to have an entrepreneurial guy who's a you know, private lender backing you, doing a quick loan. Normally in the, in the day and age we're in, they're giving very high leverage, somewhere up to 80% of the purchase price, maybe even 100% of the rehab or construction. 
whatever you want to call it, and no more than about 65 or 70% of the end value. So it's all very entrepreneurial, but you stand to make a lot of money with a small investment in a very short period of time. So certainly a, a natural place for, for people to go. Uh, Byron, but by the way, I did want to cover though one other thing, which I forgot to mention earlier. I wanted to cover how uh, private money has changed through the years and it has radically changed. So in the old days, it originally started as a second mortgage industry. So the bank would do the loan, these seconds would come in, these private loans, and they would get high yields. And that's ultimately uh, where, where it all started. Uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, th those lenders also would want to find a, um, let's say, a, an entrepreneurial way to buy properties. So again, they'd make a loan to someone in trouble, they'd ultimately get the property back, and they'd become the owner of the property. Now, I want to tell you and the group a story uh, about when I first got into this business 30 years ago, you know, young guy, and uh, just starting private lending. And here in New York, they, they used to have a private lending club, let's call it. And it was something out of a Woody Allen movie. And if you picture a bunch of old guys smoking cigars, bald heads, big bellies, and all with Brooklyn accents, forgive me, Brooklyn, for saying that. That's that was the, this that was this club, and they were the leftovers of the second mortgage guys and the you know the the guys who were doing the first mortgage private loans. Totally asset based in those days. There was not credit wasn't the issue. Most of them would do it themselves. They drive out to the property. If they liked the property, they'd make the loan, and that would be it. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we had a program in those days called Look Like and Lend, where we drive out, we'd look if we like, we make the loan. Times have radically changed, even in private money today, because unlike those days when it was strictly, I like the asset, I'm doing it, most times in this day and age, people are going to, even private money are going to underwrite the loan. They're going to look at basically cash flow. They're going to look at what we call the takeout. How am I getting paid back on this loan? They're going to look at the loan to value, and they're going to make the loan that way. They're not going to do it very much like the old way that people used to do it, uh, where basically it was all, you know, ultra entrepreneurial and et cetera. So I just want to point to, you know, that the, the background of hard money, where it came from and, you know, very much radically different today. You know, Les, I appreciate you mentioning that. It reminded me that when American Savings Life Insurance Company was founded back in 1954, uh, my grandfather, Freehoff Allen, founded the company. And back then, you only had to have $50,000 of capital to start a life insurance company. And, and he got some friends and family to come in with that a little bit. But most of that, he put in his own investments. And, and most of what he invested were actually these second mortgages that he had personally made on, on residential property. And, and I, I hadn't put that two together, that that was the original version of hard money or private money lending was second mortgages. And, and that's what he did. And that's interestingly what American Savings Life Insurance Company started with, literally founded with mortgages as our core asset. And for the last almost 70 years, that's been continued to be the case for American Savings Life, which makes us very unique in the life insurance industry to, to be predominantly mortgage assets. Yeah. Well, but your, your company is also very entrepreneurial, unlike, you know, let's say, many banks and insurance companies where, you know, they're really going to do it. But see, we all are in the box business. What I mean, the box business is a, a box of that the money fits into. And many banks and many insurance companies are not going to deviate from that box. The one thing about American Savings Life is that you guys are entrepreneurial. 
You're going to make sure it makes sense. You're going to think it out a little bit. It doesn't necessarily have to fit into that box of money and you'll still do the loan. And to me, that's a tribute to you folks that, uh, you know, you're thinking on your feet and you're, you're just like the entrepreneur coming to you. You're being entrepreneurial back and no one wants to lose money. No one wants to make a bad loan. But by the same token, by being entrepreneurial, sometimes you're ahead of the curve because as we all know, something could fit in the box perfectly. I have a 720 credit score. I have this, I have the other thing, but deep down you don't have it. Or, you know, that, I don't mean you're misleading. I just mean, you just don't have the, the will to make it happen or something like that. So box business, not necessarily is the only way to go. Certainly be an entrepreneur and moving around both on the lender side, as well as the, the borrower side, I think is extremely good. As we just heard, Les provided a comprehensive history of hard money loans and their important role in real estate. One of the main takeaways for me was the history of hard money loans. Les described how the business of hard money loans has shifted over the years, how it started as turned over mortgages, but over time has shifted into something of more regulated industry. Another takeaway that uh, I found interesting was the emphasis that Les put on differentiating between different loan options and how those options can match up with a business's needs. At the end of the day, it's very important that you find the loan terms that best suits you, even if that may take some research. In our next episode, we'll be back with Les to discuss some of the insightful lessons learned he has gained during his successful career, including some interesting real-life stories that illustrate some of the ways you can find success in securing funding. Thank you for joining us on our funding quest, and we'll see you soon with the conclusion of our fascinating interview with Leslie Agassin. Until then, we wish you success in your quest for funding your small business.